page 1260. Philippians 2 and 13 James Bible, all right? Page 1260. Philippians chapter number 4, we've been talking last couple of weeks on high-definition living. Tonight, let's look at satisfaction in high definition. Philippians 14, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care for me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Now that I speak in, in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. You ought to underline that verse. If you highlight your Bible, you ought to highlight that verse. Now that I, I speak in respect of want, and I know, uh, for I have learned in whatsoever, whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, you have, well, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again and to my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that I may abound to your account. But I have all, and abound, and full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Particularly as to a throne of grace. If I would ask a question from zero to ten, where will your contempt level come in at? Uh, one? Five? Or would it be a seven or eight? Or possibly a ten, which would be amazing. Your satisfaction level, where would it be? If I were to ask you to, to take your contentment and your satisfaction with life, and where you're at right now, tonight, in this place, from zero to ten, are you listening? From zero to ten, put a number beside that in your own life. Put a number beside Be honest with yourself. Don't put down a ten knowing you're just a two. 
Don't put down a, a two when you know that you're a five. Oh, it takes a great deal of honest heart to look in our own hearts and determine if we are satisfied or content in life. Now, this is the big question. Wherever you're at on that scale, what would it take for you to be content? There are some that say, well, pastor, if I could get, just get a different job, I, I mean, if I could just get a different job, I'd be happy. Well, pastor, if I could just get a raise, get some more money, I'd be happy. Preacher, if I could just get a, a different house or a different car, I'd be happy. Well, preacher, if I could just find the right woman, I'd be happy. If I could just find the right man, I'd be If I could find a different husband or wife, I'd be happy. If I could do some of these kids, I'd be happy. Whatever it is, you, you look in your heart and determine that. And the reason I ask those questions is this. There are a lot of high-dollar, white-collar executives that live in penthouses on Manhattan because they do two things. Two things. They make sure that you and I are discontented with what we have. And second, they make sure that we always, always, we always want more than what we've got. Why else do you think they would spend $5.6 million on a 30-second commercial in the Super Bowl? $5.6 million, a 30-second clip. Why do you think they do that? Because it is making mega bucks for themselves because they know how to create discontentment. We want more money. We want more success. We want more luxuries. We live for more. I love this story. This man's name Herbert. He signed up for AT&T Long Distance Service. He received a letter from Sprint offering him $50 if he would switch to Sprint. He received a check in the mail from MCI, and he, all he needed to do was sign the check, and, and he would be switched from Sprint to MCI. He endorsed the check and deposited it. Then AT&T called him back and said, we sure miss you as a customer, and offered him $100 if he switched back. So he agreed to switch back. He put $225 in his pocket. Now the interesting part of this story is this. Herbert has never made a long-distance call. So many people, no, no, not many people. So many of us here tonight, I'm not talking to space, I'm talking to us. I mean us. From that wall to that wall, us. 
go through life thinking contentment is just one more something away. Just one more something away. And if they got that something, they would be content. You realize, and this is this is published survey. Eighty percent of working Americans believe they're in the wrong job. Eighty percent of Americans are not content with the job where they work. Can I remind you? You was happy with it when you applied. Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about now. You were happy with it when you applied. He has paid your bills. You've had a place to go every day and work. But it's amazing. 80% are discontented in where they work. So what would it take? What would it take? See, that's the question And that's the wrong question. Because in reality, and I I believe I'm I'm more convinced than, than of this than I've ever been. As long as we're bowing to circumstances and situations that come in our life, then we'll never find contentment. As long as we're bowing to them. But have you ever thought, what would life look like if I lived with high definition, clarity, and purpose right where I am? The job you got, the husband you got, the wife you got. Well, we'll, we'll talk about the kids later. The kid, no, your kids you got, the money you got, the house you got, the cars you got. The clothes you got, everything, what would it be? What would life be if we could find contentment right where we are? I mean, right there in Bojangles. Contentment. Contentment. Wouldn't it be something? Right there in that factory. Oh, you hate yesterday and you'll hate tomorrow. But what would it be? What would it be if you could find contentment right there? Well, tonight, Paul said, I know both how to be abased. He said, I know what it means to go to bed hungry and your stomach growling and be on flat on the bottom. Paul said, I know what it means to be abased. He said, I know what it means to abound. To have plenty of everything you want. But he said this, everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. He said, but I've learned a secret. Here's a secret he learned. He said, now that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned, you know, it doesn't come natural. It won't come natural to you not. But I have learned 
in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Now, the Bible would not put it there if it were not possible. See, some of you have done this, this, uh, uh, discounted the message tonight. You've done decided. Well, I, I tell you, he, he just doesn't know my circumstance. He just doesn't know who I live with. He just doesn't know the situation I have. He just doesn't know my bank account. He just doesn't know. I'm here to tell you the Bible says, Paul said, I've learned whatsoever state to be content. And let me say this. If contentment was not available to every one of us, then it would not be in the Bible. How many of you believe Paul lied? How many of you believe you told the truth? Amen. So how do we get it? Let me give you three things. How to get it tonight. Now I want you to get this statement if you discount everything else. If this finds a place in the center of your heart, it'll help you. Contentment is being satisfied with God and God alone. Contentment is being satisfied with God and God alone. Nothing else. Paul learned this. Three things he had. Number one, to be content with God's presence in your life. Paul was someone who had learned to live over his circumstances. He was not a victim. He was a victor. I know you get fighting mad somebody calls you a victim. They quit acting like it. Quit acting like it. It's one thing to get mad somebody calls you a victim, but if that's why you're acting, then act like a victor. Paul said, I've learned to act like a victor. He made up his mind to be satisfied with who he was, where he was, and with what he had. You could go home tonight from this church and you could walk in your house, your job, your everything about you, and you could raise your hand and praise God tonight if you got satisfied with who he was, who you are, where you are, and what you have. Years ago, preacher friend, uh, me and Darlene were very young, and uh, we were hermits, and we didn't go nowhere, no nothing. And preacher friend started calling us over and whining and dining us. No, we didn't do wine. I mean, you know, tea and dining us. And uh, anyway, had us over and made us feel important. And all this stuff. But he lived in a very nice home. No, no, don't boo me out. If you've got a mansion, hallelujah. I'm glad you have it. Just tithe, amen. I'm glad. I wish we had Rolls Royces sitting around here. It wouldn't bother me a bit. I'd park my niece so I'm not beside him. And uh, uh, I'm telling you, he had a very nice home. And uh, after two or three times... For the first time in our life, I come home and 
I walked in, I was dissatisfied with our home. And I remember the day walking around outside and God bringing this truth to, to play. He gave us a house. I went back to when we was living in a single wide trailer and how that God opened that house up. God give us that house. Amen. And boy, I, and, I, and I had to stop. I had to stop hobnobbing with those folks. They weren't bad people. But I had to realize that they had created a discontentment. See, Paul said, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. That's why he said, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Do not lie. Amen. God will give you the answer. Sure as the world. Don't lie. How many of you are saved by God's grace? Raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. Don't raise. Amen. I'm going to ask you a question. You realize the moment you got saved, the Holy Ghost moved inside you and you have the presence of God with you every moment of every day, every place you go. Everywhere you are. If you're a home, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're a homekeeper, by the way, I ain't swapping my job to stay home with youngins. I, no, ain't no way. Don't, don't ever, don't, this is extra, it won't cost you a dime. Don't ever tell a dear uh, uh, wife that stays home with her kids she don't work. If you're, if you're that dumb, you need to go over there and, and let her go to town for a day and you stay with the kids. You'll find out how much work it is. It's work. See, the reality is, whatever you're doing, wherever you're at, I want to ask you a question. Is God, same God, at your job as he is in church? Is he the same God when your bank accounts at a dollar or a thousand dollars? Is he the same God? Uh, we need to understand as born again believers we have the presence of God within us and we need to tap into that presence and say God I need you today and rejoice in him each and every day. Paul said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last you'll care for me first again, wherein you, you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. See, his joy is not based on how much he had. He wasn't tied to the interest rates and stayed the economy. He had learned that things, stuff, just don't satisfy. There are so many people that are trying to get ahead where, where if they would just stop and realize and take stock of what they have, they would realize they're already ahead. When's the last time you walked in that job and stopped complaining and looked at it and say, now what can I be thankful for? I had a man come by my in my department every day. He'd make a point to 
showed me what was wrong with the company I worked for. Everything was wrong. Nothing's right. Everything's bad. I know it's hard to believe. I got so discouraged with it, I went and found a job. And during the interview, he took me out of the plant, and it's eye-opening that their plant runs just like our plant. Same crazy people, same issues, same thing, same nothing different. And I remember standing in that factory and saying, what am I doing here? Why am I here? I'm going to tell you why I was here. I gave my ear to someone that all they do is negative and discouraged and, and all. They, they hated their job and they wanted everybody else to hate their job. I, I, I'm careful about what I give my ear to listening to. Paul had learned, Why don't you, what would it be if you started thanking God for what you do have instead of complaining about what you don't have? Contentment will make a poor man rich and discontentment will make a rich man poor. And he said again, I want that to soak in. Contentment will make a poor man rich. Discontentment will make a rich man poor. One of the things I think all of us learn sooner or later it's not what you have that will satisfy you. What will satisfy you is knowing who you are. Do you know? You all raised your hand. Do you know you're a child of the king? Do you know you're a child of God? Do you know your home's heaven? Do you know there's a mansion waiting on you? They just think that's my house over in Hildebrand. That's not my house. That's not. My had an aunt, she had a, a speech impediment all of her life. You couldn't understand her unless she was around her a lot. And that, and that Jack, I, I fellow that preached her, I ain't calling him a preacher, that fellow that, uh, that done her funeral says, Rosalie now, and the Bible says many rooms in it. I said, my gosh, she lived in a room over. No, she's a child of God. She has a mansion. That's what the Bible says. See, the reality is, it's who you are. How much stuff do you think you need to finally be contented and satisfied? In 1900, the average American needed 72 things, and 18 of them was essential. In 1900. 2020, the average American wants 500 things and only one of them is essential. You say, that, that can't be true. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. One of the secrets of satisfaction and contentment is not having a lot of things, but it is believing you already have enough. We, a missionary from Mexico, was questioned, what do you, what do you see in America, and I, it was astounding what he said. He said, well, I see three things, that everybody has a TV. He said, we have one 
old TV in, in the village, the whole village, but everybody has a TV. Second, everybody has food in their cabinet. There they go every day hunting food. Everybody's got food in their cabinet. And here's what he said. And everybody's discontented. They're not contented with what they have. Now, let's be honest with you. And last year, how many of you opened the cabinet and a can of foods fell out and almost hit you? Let's get honest. Truth of the matter is, we go buy groceries and we come home and we've got to shift stuff around to try to find a place to put it. I'm going to ask you a question. When's the last time you bowed your head and thanked God for that? Well, there's a lot of countries, a lot of countries tonight. Uh, I'm sure Neil's seen some of this. I went to Mexico on a mission trip. And everywhere you go, people's begging. They want to, want to sell you something. I want to, they, they, just everywhere you go, kids, everybody. You know what? They're trying to survive. And isn't it the truth? Now, isn't it the truth? We can complain because not that we got food to eat, that we just don't like what's fixed. Now, let's get honest. I've done it. I've, I've done it. We've all done it. story was told of a king that was so unhappy, he sent out the um, um, people and his assistants and everybody and an entourage of people to find a contented man because he was so unhappy, he was looking for contentment. And he said, when you find that man, Bring his shirt back to me. And if I put his shirt on, I'll be content. So the men went out and they searched everywhere, all over the kingdom, trying to find a man. And they finally found the most contented man, the most satisfied man in the kingdom. The only problem was he didn't own a shirt. He didn't own a shirt. Be content. God's presence. Number two, be confident in God's power through your life. Be content with God's power through your life. Now, I'll tell you why some of you are just worn slap out. I'll tell you why you're just worn slap out. And I'll tell you why you'll be worn slap out tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. And I'll tell you why you can take a, two days off and collapse and it won't help you. Because you're living life in your strength. In your strength. When God lives within you and you have his strength with you. But you're doing your, you're doing it yourself. I don't need anybody. Hey, get out of my way. I can handle this. How foolish you can be to realize that you live in his presence, you can exchange your strength for his. Have you ever tried it? Have you ever been so tired you didn't know what to do and bowed your head and said, God, I need to exchange my strength for yours. 
and come to realize I, when I first started preaching, I worked by vocational for about six, seven years. And more times than not, I mean, I'd walk in the pulpit down here on Wednesdays and uh, I'd pick somebody that prayed long, you know, and, and while they're praying, I'm up here praying, saying, God, if you don't help me, and if I don't exchange my strength, me and you both are going to fall in the floor and I'll talk about us both. And God, just help me and help me and help me. God's no respecter person. He wants to help you. Isn't it foolish? Isn't it foolish? We're like little kids. When they get up to a certain age, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And you almost have to let them do it to fail to realize they need your help. And yet as adults, we do the same thing. Let me clarify what Paul said. He was not saying, I can do all things I want to do. He's not saying that. I love this story. Two drunks were in a hotel. One of them jumped out of the window to his death. Police asked the other drunk, why did the man jump out of the window? Well, he thought he could fly around the building. Why didn't you stop him? I thought he could do it too. Lord, what Paul was saying is this. I can do anything and all things God calls me to do that Christ wants me to do through him. I can't do anything that you think you can do or believe you can do. But I can do all anything that God calls you to do and wants you to do. That's why following Christ, a person should never say no to anything that God asked him to do. That's the reason why we should never, God asked you to do, you should never say no. You can love God with all your heart if you want to. You can serve others. Find a place in ministry if you want to. You can share your story and be used by God if you want to. As a matter of fact, we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. Anything that God calls you to do or commands you to do, He'll give you the power and the ability to do it. I, some of you, most of you have done heard this, but for those that hadn't, you need to hear this. I went through my entire years at school I never talked to nobody. I was an introvert. Backwards. I smiled at girls, but I never talked one. I don't know how I ever got married. I mean, I just didn't. I was, I was very backwards. When, I, when, when God called me to preach, fellowship dinners like we're going to have Saturday, I never, no, no. You nasty darling, no. Dinners after church, no, never, never, never. I was backwards, introvert. I mean backwards. I never talked to no one. Now I want you to understand something. I got over it. And I learned that if it's me, I'm still an introvert. But through Christ, 
through God. He gives me plenty to say. Amen. I'm not preaching to another hour. Be content with God's presence in your life. Be confident in God's power in your life. I, I need you to under, you young people need to get a hold of it. If you learn to live in God's presence, His power is the greatest tool you can have. The power to pray, the power to, to, to do something for the glory of God. And then those be comforted with God's provisions for your life. But my God shall supply all my needs except for this job. I just tell you, it's a soul. You just understood how bad it was. And my God says, by all my needs, if I just had more money. No, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. There are some great, great promises in the Bible, but I don't know if there's one greater than that one. If you're right with God and you're giving unto God what he's commanded you to do, there's nothing in your life that would be an obstacle for God's pipeline of blessing. Then any real need you, you, you have is going to be met by God. I, I, God promised to supply your needs. And he went, not that you won't. That's the problem. That's the problem, isn't it? We have moved our need, our wants, into the need column. And God's not put them in the need column. You put them in the need column. You know? It's not me telling Darlene, I need that peach cobbler. And she'll say, no, you want that peach cobbler. You don't need it. And lately, I'm putting suits on and I'm finding out, I don't need it. I want it. Why don't we get honest? God said, I promise I promise I'll meet all your needs. And you know what? He'll do that. He can't lie. God doesn't want always give us what we want is because we often want things that we don't need. Billy Ruth Graham was married to Billy Graham for many years. She said this, if I had been for if it if had not been for God, I would have married the wrong man three times. He'll meet our need according to his glorious riches. Now there's a difference between meeting someone's needs out of your riches and according to your riches. There's a difference. A man walking down the street with a million dollars in his pocket and a beggar comes up and says, Sir, I have a real need in my life. Can you help me? If that man gives him a dollar, he's only giving that man out of his pocket. But if he gives that man $100,000, he give, he's given to that man according to what he has in his pocket. You understand? Have I confused you? Um, if, if I had $1,000 and you said I have a need and I give you a dollar, I've given you something out of my pocket, not according to my riches, not according to what I have, 
No. Now, if I take that thousand dollars I have in my pocket, you say I have a need. I say, what is your need? You say, well, my need's seven hundred fifty dollars. If I take seven hundred fifty dollars out of my thousand, I've given to you according to my riches. Does that make sense? Is that happy? How many's getting? Some of you are looking at me strange, huh? Like the math question is cool. Everybody got that? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear Jesus <laughs> it ain't about to me oh Lord <laughs> uh, I just love you Jimmy that's what I do if I didn't I'd have to just take you out <laughs> it's the difference here's what we do Here's what we do. See, we just don't believe that God can do that. And so we do it ourselves. Isn't it amazing? And I, I'm, when I say us, I, I mean us. I mean us. Don't, don't, don't look at me like you're not in it. We're all in it. We all do this. We have an issue. We have problems. Do we not to worry and figure and fret and try to figure how we're going to work this thing out? And when we come down in hip bottom, we look up and say, God, can you help me? And God said, I've been here waiting on you. He could have helped us all along. See, the reality is he promised to do that. God says, I supply all you need. A little woman lived by herself, and she was a Christian. Her landlord was an atheist. His all time mocking her and making fun of her Christianity. And uh, because she could barely make ends meet. One day he walked by a window. She's there on her face praying and said, Lord, I'm hungry. My pension won't arrive for another week. And you know I've been faithful to give and I'm just asking you to provide something for me to eat. And I want to thank you now, ahead of time, for the good meals you're going to provide. Amen. The atheist thought, <laughs> I'll play a joke on her. So he goes down and buys three bags full of groceries. Turkey and chicken, vegetables, everything. While she's gone, he sneaks into her, her apartment and puts it on the table. He hid outside the window. She walks in a little later. She saw him. She begins to praise God. I mean, just having a fit. Praising God for providing. About that time, the landlord said, huh, I told you there ain't no such God. I did that. That woman, she went, man, she went ballistic of praising God. He said, what? God, what's wrong with you? She said, well, praise God. He used the devil to deliver them. <laughs> she knew her God. Contentment, satisfaction is an attitude that says, I will be satisfied with what God has given me. I can make every person here rich tonight. Every person. You ain't seen my bank account. Every person I can make rich. Are you interested? Here's how. 
want what you have and have what you want. And when those things are even, you are a rich person. When you want what you have and have what you want. You'll stop complaining about that job and have what you want. Don't you think God's big enough? He wants you in a different job. He'll give it to you. Huh? You reckon possibly God's got you there for a purpose? To touch somebody's life? To make a difference for somebody? You reckon? When you want what you have and have what you want, you're a very wealthy, wealthy person. Not in the bank account. The only one who can truly satisfy the human heart is the one who made it. John Piper said, God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him. Oh, what a truth. I want him to be glorified with my life. That's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I do not know what you came.